welcome back. It is indeed a glorious welcome back to Thoughts from the Shade, episode 55. Um, the Brandon Graham app. Dude, I don't even know where to start, like, just setting the equipment back up, turning on the theme song, like, hearing it in my ears through the headphones as we go to record. I'm I'm just like, I'm, I'm fully gassed up. We had over a month off, some good R&R, some good time away. I mean, Christ, I haven't actually seen you probably since we recorded the last episode, and I think that was remote. So good to be back. Uh, hope everybody's having a great summer, and uh, hope everybody's back on board and, and ready to get after it with us as we approach football season. Maybe it, maybe a, a red October, maybe. Um, but we'll get to it all. Let's just uh, let's welcome back Bob. How are you, Bob? What's up, G? How are you, buddy? Good, man. It's uh, it, like I said, it's just exciting Exciting to be back, uh, back in the saddle, so to speak. Um, glad to finally have you back, man. Gl- I'm glad to have you back, brother. Um, I didn't go anywhere. <laughs> I didn't desert. I wasn't. I wasn't missing. Six weeks in Seattle City, man. It's about to. It's about to end. It's been. Uh, it's been a treat. But yeah, uh, I announced it on the Instagram. It's crazy to think. Uh, just yesterday was the one year anniversary of episode one of thoughts from the shade and I can guarantee it didn't sound as good as it does right now. I think we've come, uh, come a pretty long way, still got a long way to go and we're going nowhere. We just got to keep giving the people what they want. You know, we were out, people were asking, when are you doing the next pod? We need some TFTS. So here, here we are, we're back going nowhere and, uh, just ready to kick it up a notch. Any, any thoughts, uh, on the one year anniversary. I mean, I, we, we got to touch on some highlights, some, some highs, plenty of lows, plenty of losers given out uh, specifically by me in college football. Uh, as we look forward to that, we'll improve on that record this year. But I mean, what, what's your take on, on year one of thoughts from the shade? I mean, uh, you know, like anyone mixed, a mixed bag, you look at the results, the gambling results, what I'll say is I thought TFDS did a hell of a job giving out preseason picks. So, even though we're kind of in the dog days of summer here, it's August. Just recall, your boy Bomb gave out a Rutgers over win total last year in football. I gave you Cincinnati to make the CFP preseason. I feel really good. I feel really good about where we're going. I I haven't studied the slate. I haven't I haven't uh, you know jumped into the rosters quite yet. But I'm telling you, something big is going to happen in the next couple of weeks. I'm feeling it. Be on the lookout for a season total. Be on the lookout for a CFP winner. I'm excited. Hell yeah, man. Let's go. We got a couple of weeks Couple of weeks to get these futures locked and loaded. Didn't you give out Pitt regular season win total? I gave out Pitt regular season win total. And if you recall, the reason why I gave out Pitt regular season win total is I believed in the leadership of a super senior coming out of COVID. Kenny Pickett, the guy had a Heisman finalist year. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, I, I, I'm ready to repeat it. Uh, you know, open up the sportsbook apps next couple weeks. Tune in. I'm telling you, I'm going to give you winners. So, with that logic, are you, are you ready to fire on the Penn State regular season win total with Sean Clifford back for his 30th year? Uh, super senior leadership. We'll talk about that later. All right, we'll get to it. Uh, other highlights of year one of thoughts from the shade, obviously fade the shade, a lot of gambling picks, as Bob mentioned. We did give out the Super Bowl winner, Bengals and the points. That was a cover. We gave out the Georgia Bulldogs to win the national championship. Yep. 
Uh, that was a winner. Speaking of the Georgia Bulldogs, I believe it was like an episode in October that you were crying for the Eagles to draft Jordan Davis, and lo and behold, springtime rolls around, and uh, we're firing up the clip. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Uh, so just uh, a lot, lot of good highlights, a lot of good things happening, a lot of, lot of good stuff given out. Uh, maybe I'd say more so by you. I'll tip the cap. Um, but there, yeah. there were, I mean, there were some lowlights. What I will say is I've had multiple people approach me and ask me about your college football season. Uh, I think you turned it around at the end, obviously, but there was a time where I don't think you would have hit water if you fell out of a boat. And I know for a fact there were multiple people who were picking the opposite of you, fading you. And they were getting emails from DraftKings and Barstool, you know, what's going on? Are you gambling with a with a sharp? What's happening here? And they just said, no, no, um, fade and G. Fade the shade. That's why we titled the segment that. Looking forward to bringing it back. Uh, and speaking of the college football, we also ran like a great college football bowl pick'em pool. So we had good participation in that. Look forward to running it back on bowl season. Uh, you know, up in the ante, get, getting more people involved and, and doing fun shit like that. Uh, we've had a few guests uh, in, in our short lifetime. I mean, you think of the maniac and you look at what he's doing with Bet Parks now. I mean, Christ, I was down at the Phillies game last Wednesday afternoon, uh, you know, for the business person special, a little day job, work event, and I, I stumble into Xfinity Live after the game. And who's standing there in his caddy outfit? The Maniac. Working hard. The guy's everywhere. So we've had the Maniac. He we'll, does it all. We're going to have him again. Uh, we had Dan Hershberg, a workhorse. We had Dave Zingaro of NBC Philly. Uh, Do we have anyone else? Is that it? I mean, you're forgetting our first guest, uh, a huge fantasy football guru. Oh, and he's going to be back, by the way. I did reach out to him. I know, Bob, you're not a fantasy football guy, but I think people really enjoyed that episode. And I also think uh, I'm fresh off a fantasy football championship. So I have a feeling the guys in my league are going to listen and try to, you know, steal some of my strategy or maybe maybe gain some knowledge because, like, those guys – just it's just a free free ticket for me with playing with them. So they, they gotta step their game up. But yeah, Ali D, uh the man who's all over America moving all around. I think he's now in Texas. We're gonna get him on little fantasy football primer uh coming in the next few weeks as everybody gets ready for their draft. Um but yeah, year one. I think the only other thing that I would mention uh in terms of like clips and stuff, I was scrolling back through the Instagram. If you have not seen it, if you are not listening yet, and I'm going to post it to the Instagram this week too, uh, the the rant by you, uh, it starts with like Dan Orlovsky talking about how great Wentz is and what a great acquisition that was by the Colts. And it was after they lost to the Jags to miss the playoffs. And you going off about him trying to do a side flip while getting tackled by a 300-pound lineman like he's Derek Jeter, like – all 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 time rant that that's got to be the rant of the year, so uh, I'll give you that one. But no, I think I think that's that's the highlights, and, and look forward to making some more, and definitely giving out some not so great takes and picks as well. It, it happens; we're human, but we're here having a good time and just chopping it up. And I, I forgot our biggest, I mean, our most solid prediction selection, whatever you want to call it. That the fucking Philadelphia 76ers are frauds. Their ownership are frauds. Their fan base frauds. Uh, the center frauds. Um, that came to fruition. They haven't made it out of the semis. They're a bunch of bums, losers, stiffs. And I'll just leave it at that. It's funny you mentioned that. I was down down the shore. Obviously, I've been down the shore. 
And I was out at the Ocean Drive in Seattle on, I think it was Friday night. And I was with, with the God, good friend of the show, listener of the show. And we run into this kid who's got, um, you know, like the faces on the t-shirts without like the eyes. So you got the beard oh, yeah. and you can see Harden and then Embiid's face and Max. He's got the big three on the shirt. <laughs> so we were chopping it up with him. I was kind of giving it to him a little bit. Like this team's. Were you wearing a flyer shirt or what? No, 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 no. I just wear these when I'm home recording the podcast. Cause it's just a throwaway. Um, <laughs> But so we were giving it to this kid at the bar a little bit. And then the next day I'm at happy hour at kicks, you know, five, six o'clock, still light out. And I see the same fucking kid at kicks and he's wearing a Sixer shirt again, back to back days. This kid's wearing a Sixer shirt out to the bar and sucking down a Sixers blue Kool-Aid at the bar. Yep. So they're, they're still out in full force. And I'll tell you what, I mean, we were going to get to it anyway. Another night, I'm at the Dead Dog Saloon. You know, they have the live entertainment, the acoustic, and it happened. They're still playing that goddamn song. Just just over two months removed from another premature second-round exit from the playoffs. They're still playing the song. The people are singing along, screaming. Ugh. It's uh, it's a disgrace. I, I did capture the moment. I was going to post it on social. Uh, then also remember that I need to keep my job. Uh, but, but you got to play the audio for the people. We'll just play the audio uh, here right now so the people can hear my live reaction to that uh, debacle. And he rolled it right into Teenage Dirtbag by Weedus, which is which is a great song. But, yeah, the people are there screaming, singing along. I called it out for what it was. It was a violation. Disgusting. I don't even know what else to say. I just You, you don't hear Fly Eagles Fly. I, I know the Phillies and the Flyers don't have a song, but nobody would be playing a Phillies or Flyers song in an offseason when the goal was not met, right? So, like – what the hell are we doing down there? And how how are how how does the Philadelphia fan base, the people of Philadelphia, and the surrounding areas like how are we still pumping that shit up after all this time? Well, you know, you think about the clientele down there, right? You you, you got the share house folks. I'd say they're probably in what their mid twenties, late twenties. Bomb kind of aged out of that. And you get dad, the daddy's debit card crowd where, you know, oh, my dad's got a crib. I'm down there. You know, those kids probably around the same age. So you got to remember th- these people that are uh, coming of age, so to speak, that are in the bars and, you know, uh, gallivanting uh, down Landis Avenue. They are, uh, they're not Generation Z, they are Generation P for processor. Uh, they have uh, signed off, they've co signed on, uh, you know, on losing. Uh, they have normalized losing. Uh, everything is about the accumulation of assets, except when you look at their 401k, no assets there. We're living in the moment. We're going to rely totally on social, total losers. So I think that's a little bit what it is when you, when you get down there and you look at the generations that are in the bars there, G spending the, spending the cash, they hit the ATM, daddy gave them the debit card for the night. They take out the cash. And then at the top of their lungs, they're singing 
10, 9, 8, 76 ers It's disgusting. They ought to walk out in traffic and just stand there. Clap your hands, stomp your feet. I, 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 I sang along, as you heard, another second-round exit. I thought I'd squeeze that in there pretty well. But, I mean, we'll get back to some of the antics down the shore for me, but we got we got breaking news out of bomb, and I'm just going to set the stage. I, for the record, I haven't heard this story yet. Uh, it, it was solely saved for the pod. I'm driving home from the shore on Sunday afternoon, and I get a text message from bomb. And it says, I have monster news for you, but I'm saving it for the pod. And I was like, well, what will my reaction be? And he said, you'll probably laugh. So I was like, all right, I'm not really sure what to expect. I just wanted to make sure he wasn't like getting ready to put, put me on blast or, or roast me. <laughs> uh, but he said I would, I would laugh. So I'm like, okay, I'm not really sure what to expect. Well, lo and behold, August 1st rolls around. What happens on August 1st? Uh, you get your statement from Lulu Country Club emailed to you, and they, they pop you two bucks for any member that makes a hole-in-one in the previous month, you know, to cover uh, cover the bar tab. And the email reads, congratulations to Bomb on his hole-in-one in July. Uh, so that's as far as I've gotten with this story. I'm looking forward to hearing it, but first, Bomb, uh, congrats on your first ace, and we're going to hit you with a round of applause for that. Thank you, G. Thank you, thank you very much, everybody. I very much appreciate that. I mean, you know, what What can I say? Uh, I'll, I'll give you the story, but I want to give you the background here, um, what led up to it, because I think that's just as important. Um, as as everyone heard in the in the introductory segment you know we've had a bit of a hiatus g made it sound like it was both of us uh, i can tell you it wasn't um one guy was sitting on the beach the other guy was still sitting in the you know leather chair grinding away at his at his normal desk okay not working from the shore working from home okay working from home putting in the full weight hitting the range working on the wedge game working on the irons getting the putter dialed just Overall, working on the game. And I log into the Gin app, and I see this number that G has posted under his handicap. He's down to a 14.2. Well, the guy hasn't played in six weeks, okay? The guy's down the shore. He's hanging out, doing what he does, building sandcastles while I'm grinding, okay? Grinding. So, you know, I'm a guy who's now down to a 14.5, and frankly, I'm a little disappointed that I was being compared to you. You know, I'm not saying he wasn't a threat, but me being compared to him, I, I took offense to that. You're taking offense to that? I take a lot of offense to being compared to my man G, and uh, I, I want I want I want the people to know I'm officially changing the name, uh, similar to Ron Artest going by you know Meta World Peace, uh, similar to Cassius Clay going by Muhammad Ali. Your boy Bomb is changing the nickname. Call me Ace. That's hilarious. That's, I mean, you told you told me that part of the story like before we we hit record, and but I, we still haven't got the the story of the whole actual hole in one. But when you were like, I'm going for bomb the ace because I don't even know if we've ever got into on the show about why your nickname is bomb. Like, should we just hit that real fast? Hit it. So basically, the story was this was what winter of like 2020, in, going into 21 because you were out. With uh, with shoulder surgery, and you missed the beginning of the twenty twenty one golf season. No, it was before that. I know it was well. If you remember, we if you remember during COVID, 
And you, you get to that. During COVID, we couldn't play golf, so we played PGA Tour on Xbox. Oh, uh, that well, that's that's even, yeah, that's really the start, I guess. And I made my alter ego, my creative player. His name, his name was Bomb Murphy, and the guy was a stick. He could play. He was absolutely <laughs> just crushing other guys. You know, the thing is, when you play PGA Tour, there's two kind, two kinds of players: guys who know how to deal with the sticks, and then these arcade mode. Button mashers. They got every tracer on, every, every tracer. tracer. They got the button held down. They're slamming 330 yard drives. It's spinning disgusting. It, spinning spinning every ball. it. Oh, oh, wait, hang on. Spin. 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 They're slamming on the fucking joystick and hitting A, getting that ball to spin back. What are we doing here? No. Bob Murphy, you know what he did? He played finesse golf. He played uh, a, a high degree of skill in PG. So that's where the genesis came. That was my alter ego. And then, you know. Yeah, so so that's where it really originated. But then, you so you had to go under the knife for the shoulder. And, you know, you weren't playing great golf pre-surgery. Whether that was the shoulder or not, I, I don't know. I'm not going to speak on that. But you, you said after you get the reconstructive surgery, after you're fully repaired, you were coming back to the golf course as bomb. So that's that's yep. That's what I thought, but I forgot that when COVID really first started and golf courses weren't even open again yet, that we were playing PGA, <laughs> me, you, and the God, and your guy was Bomb Murphy. And then I went under the knife, and I I assume I'm now assuming the alter ego. Um, and now you made a hole in one, and you're assuming the alter ego ace. So how about you tell us the hole, the shot, you know what? what Give us the play-by-play, dude. Sure. So I'll give you the foursome, right? Um, played with my boy Sweetness. Great guy. Put, played a solid round of golf. I think he shot an 82. Great guy to play with. Um, CTP was there. Uh, it was a playing oh lesson. Oh, my gosh. It was, it was a, a playing it was lesson. A playing and you lesson. Made an like ace. I said, we're not the same. You know, we're not the same. One guy's on the beach. The other guy's got his coach out getting it dialed for minor number three. And so CTP's there. And then another guy at the club who actually goes to CTP. I met him. Pitched for Phil. You great guy. Uh, so a great foursome. Doing, doing a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, libations on the front nine. Really played pretty poorly. Um, started off with a par on one. Went OB on two immediately and blew up the round. Uh, shot a 45 on the front. And then just said, you know what? Fuck it. Like, let's just start bombing balls. Ten, bombed the ball up the right side of the fairway. Uh, second shot, blew it over the creek. Uh, third shot, got it in tight, made birdie. Uh, so birdie on ten, par on eleven. I get to twelve. Now, mind you, CTP's there. About three months ago, I went and did a playing lesson at Golf Tech. I walked in. I don't even, I honestly, I don't even know why I brought my bag. I walked in, I slammed my bag down on the ground. I said, dude, I'm not touching the driver. We need to practice one fucking thing. It's called hold, hold 12 at Lulu. I haven't hit this fucking, and you played with me. For the record, it's the 18 handicap there. It's and, such and an I, easy I don't hole. Hit, I don't hit the green it's much. It's such either. an easy hole. Um, I think the problem is it's a little confounding if you know the course because if you if you if you hit the green in the front third of the green everything's gonna everything's going to filter towards the center of the green and to the right. So probably from March until June of this year, I was taking a higher lofted club and playing you know trying to play more of a finesse shot 
And what ends up happening is you overcook a you overcook a draw, and it goes right into the bunker, or you hit an absolute block, and it goes left under that tree. And you know, if you hit a perfect shot, yeah, it's going to hit the front of the green and trickle down. So I get into golf tech. This is maybe two, three months ago, G. CTP challenged the bomb. He said, dude, you just got to stop being a pussy. He goes, trust the draw. If you hit a block, you hit a block. He's like, but stop trying to fucking finesse balls into the front of the green. So, birdie on 10, par on 11. I get to 12. CTP's the, I'm the fourth guy to hit. CTP's the third guy to hit. He hits a ball right at the pin. Right at the pin. At the ball's apex, I'm screaming. You know me. I talk to the ball. I scream at the ball, the whole thing. For my ball, everyone's ball. At the ball's apex, I'm screaming, get in the fucking hole so this prick can buy drinks all night. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. What ends up happening is his ball lands about, you know, five yards off the green. It doesn't trickle down. He left it short. So I get up there. It's 167, seven iron in hand. And I just played a draw. The pin was kind of middle-middle, honestly. Uh, I started the ball at the just outside the left side of the green, and it started drawing in. And I'm looking at it, and I'm looking at it, and it's coming towards the pin. And the whole time, I'm just thinking to myself, oh, my God, don't be deep, don't be deep, don't be deep. And I'm thinking it's going I'm thinking it's going to fly the green. Hit it well. Hit it well. There was a little bit of a left-to-right breeze, so I, I didn't think I, you know... I definitely wasn't, you know, hitting with wind at the back, but I'm thinking to myself, man, I really got into that one. Don't fly on me. Like, just sit down on the green. It lands. I kid you not. I, w- I wish I would have taken a picture of the divot. It lands six inches directly behind the hole. One hops backwards directly into the cup. Holy shit, dude. The issue is when I hit it, I saw the divot. I didn't see the ball. No one, because of the time of day, we, we ended up teeing off, I think, at 4.30 on a Saturday. Course was fucking deserted, by the way. So you get to 12, it's probably like 7 o'clock. Yeah, it was like 6.45 or 7. Um, plenty of light, but at that time of night, there was a like kind of a glare, and it was tough to see the green. But I see this divot, and I don't see the ball. And we drive up, and there's no ball on the green, and I'm thinking to myself, that, that's in the hole. Um, sure enough, it's in the hole. You know, go, go retrieve the ball. Take the picture. I didn't get a chance to do the, the critty hat toss. Shout out to critty. Um, <laughs> I wanted to do the critty hat toss. Oh, but... my God. I made an eagle. <laughs> shout, out, <laughs> shout out to our boy, critty. I didn't get a chance to do the critty hat toss, but it did cross my mind. But, yeah, made a one. So, you know, honestly, it was a little bit um, anticlimactic, I guess you could say, because you didn't really see it go in, but. Yeah, that hurts that you didn't see it go in. I feel like if I ever make an ace, you got to see it go from the tee box. Yeah, and I kind of had a good feeling it was in, but I didn't. You don't want to celebrate and get up there and be like, "Oh, it kicked off," or you know what I mean. Yeah, it's a dickhead look. So, like most things in my golf game, it immediately went to shit. I'm three under through the first three holes on the back, thinking to myself, "Oh, I'm gonna fucking attack now." And you know, thirteenth <laughs> hole, trouble everywhere. If you go left, you can't go left. You got to go right. I hit a. I hit the best drive of the day. I piped a ball down the right side of that fairway. It kicks into the rough. It's it's to the right of the bunker. Got about 185 into the green, and it's sitting down in the rough. And I should have just chopped it out in the fairway or, like, 
played something to the front front of the green. Instead, I decided to hit like a fucking draw out of the rough, buried like five iron, blow it left under the trees in the wood chips, chip that ball into the bunker, make a fucking eight. Go from a fucking ace to an eight. So that's just that's just golf. But all in all, a great day. We uh, we get back to the clubhouse. Yeah, did they give you the announcement over the microphone, or was it too late? It was too late. The pro shop was closed. I ran over Damn. to Steve, uh, you know, who runs the carts. Uh, I let him know. He wrote the name down. I uh, after the round, I, I went up to Pete uh, at the bar. Told Bartender him what Pete, went on. Good I guy. Said, I said, look, you know, you got to let the people know. But, you know, you think about all the days to make a hole-in-one. Now, I know they have a little bit of a, of a thing there where they charge everybody two bucks, but, dude, there was nobody there. I mean, I bought dinner for, for the folks we played with because it was like there was nobody there. The bill was like 400 bucks. And did you, like, so did that get reimbursed? I think it comes on the next statement. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I mean, of course, of course some of that cash isn't going to go to, uh, you know, your tab. You, you didn't run it up, but I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great, dude. I got I got to give you one more round of, of applause. Uh, that's that's special stuff, man. That's awesome. Uh, you should have you should have documented some of the, some of this, you know, on on the Instagram or, or something, you know, let let the people know. But it, I guess you wanted to surprise us. But we need, we need the picture of Bomb with the ball and the big smile. Did did we get that? We got. The did picture. you save the ball? Did you save the ball? I got the ball. I got the scorecard. I'm gonna get it framed. The whole thing. Beautiful. That's awesome, man. Uh, any anything else on the on the on the ace story? No, I guess maybe just a, a fun fun fact. You know, I was looking up some of the facts of the ace and the tradition of buying. You know, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense why the guy who makes the hole-in-one has to buy people drinks. But that's been going on for quite some time. And it seems like the common theory behind that tradition is that uh, it prevents false hole-in-one stories. And you think about it, that kind of makes sense, right? Like, if you're going to make a hole-in-one, you're on the hook for buying drinks. So if you're going to buy drinks, you're going to want to make sure that the hole-in-one story is legit, right? Absolutely. In uh, in Japan, uh, where they take golf very seriously, they take baseball very seriously as well. Believe it or not, they sell to individuals a hole-in-one insurance policy. About 30% of Japanese golfers carry a hole-in-one insurance policy, no different than their car, their personal, you know, their renters. Wow. I did not know insurance. this. So that about 30% of Japanese golfers buy or add on this hole-in-one insurance. It costs anywhere between 35 and 70 bucks a year. And in Japan, uh, apparently they view a hole-in-one similar to like a small or like understated wedding. So they buy the insurance. Uh, apparently, the Japanese have been known to run up tabs between three and four thousand dollars in U.S. dollars. And uh, yeah, it's a well-known thing. They 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 buy the policy over there. So yeah, I mean, luckily I didn't have the policy. Luckily, we have the insurance at the loo where they charge everybody two bucks. But uh, yeah, I thought it was a fun fact in doing some of the research. You couldn't convince uh, your lady to just come over and have a night at the loo and just, you know, save save the wedding in the spring? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Yeah. No, that's, that's great. Uh, just to, I guess, wrap on the uh, the summer shenanigans, you know, recapping the highlights of our our month off. Uh, I mean, I, I, I got some violations out there sitting on the beach. You got uh, the teeny boppers, these people on the beach. They're sitting there. 
in their little circle. And mind you, I'm with my family, my parents, uh, my niece, my nephew, my brother, my sister-in-law, just having a nice relaxing time. And then you got this group of teeny boppers next to us and they got the speaker going on, on full blast with Post Malone and Meek Mill, uh, you know, all, all this hot garbage. I mean, I, I don't hate Post Malone by any means, but just like for, for the vibe, we're, we're trying to have a family family vibe on the beach. I don't care if you play some music, but don't play it so damn loud that like every every other party around you can hear it. So like that was one thing. What'd you do? Did he get up and say something? I mean, my mom was actually like, giving them the stare like looking over but like we we just kind of let it go uh i mean i i was in a group like i was not the one controlling the speaker or the phone but i was in a group while i was down that was playing music too loud and it just gave me like it made me uncomfortable like because i know that other people don't want to hear hear our shit so like what are we doing here like if you're playing music on the beach just play it loud enough so that everyone can hear in your group and that you can still carry a conversation that was the other thing like i'm trying to talk to people in the circle and like this music blast and I'm fucking yelling at everybody. Like what is going on here? Yeah, that makes no sense. I mean, I think it's, it's pretty obvious if you're going to the beach as a solo, you got to bring the headphones. If you're going to the beach in a group and you're in a circle or a semicircle, I think it's fine to have the external speaker. I think it's fine to play music. The music cannot include explicit lyrics. Uh, the music should be at a volume in which you are able to hold a conversation. And, uh, what volume is that you might ask? So, so let's say for example, here, here, here's how I grade this, right? Vol- the volume in which you can hold a conversation. If you have to press the volume button down twice, it's too loud to, to hold a conversation. To talk to somebody. If it's one, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Okay. One tap, one tap on the little bit. Yeah, one tap, color. one tap. Don't do much. So one yeah. tap. Okay, that tells you. All right, we're okay. It gives you, you know, kind of that cue. Okay, oh, what do you have to say? Okay, great. Let me let me turn it back up. <laughs> um, but you know, we we you gotta be able to hold a conversation. That's what the beach is about. You just turn on a little, a little something low, a little something like the background music, but it can't be blaring. It can't be overpowering outside of your circle. It's a total violation. I think there should be an opportunity. Like similar to how at Eagles games or at Phillies games, you know, they put the thing on the jumbotron. If you, if there's someone in your section being a bad fan, text one two one two at and and your section and and row. I mean, did I just did I just come up with a million dollar service? Basically, me and you can walk around in yellow t shirts. Security people can text us. We'll walk around the beach. Where are you at? Seventy fifth Street. Great. We'll walk over. Uh, excuse me. You're being an asshole. You're gonna have to turn that down. You could find plenty of that on the beach. Yeah. Like we might have to cut that out because that could be our cash cow. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, yeah, just just a violation to be sitting there and hearing other people's music. I mean, I you know, regardless of the the musical preference. It shouldn't be loud enough that people outside of your circle are feeling the heat. Uh, the other one, this is like a quick one, but like, how about the number of people down at the shore that go swimming where there's no lifeguard? Like they, they swim where there's no lifeguard dur- during the, the working hours of the lifeguards. Like, is this your first time at the beach? And these are like grown ass people. It's not like little kids. I, I, I'm watching full blown adults go swimming where there's no lifeguard and the lifeguards like two blocks over. Yeah, I mean, here's the, here's here's the thing, right? I I do think maybe it's a COVID thing, maybe it's a hiring thing. I feel like the lifeguards have gotten a bit stretched out in terms of you know 
instead of every block or every two blocks, they're every three or something. You know what I mean? Uh, there's, there's no excuse for it where I will give people a pass. If you're a dude, if you're a guy, you're sitting on the beach, you're having a couple cold ones. You should be able to kind of get up to the, that thigh area, the waist and just go in there take a whiz, run right back out. But if you're, if you're actively swimming, uh, these people were actively swimming. I, I got all the You're respect. An asshole. I got all the respect for the for the up to the knees or the thighs or the waist for thirty to forty five seconds, and then turn right around and getting out. I, I understand <laughs> what's going on there, but yeah, the the the, the full blown swimming where there's no lifeguard, like I don't know, people are gonna be like, oh, he's a he's a beach guy. He's 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 a beach beach snob. No, he's a rules just, guy. I'm just like a rules guy, and I'll tell you who else is a rules guy. Here here's here's the big story uh, that I was looking forward to tell, telling on the pod. Uh, speaking of beach rules, you walk on the beach. Actually, let me let me preface it this way: uh, if you're if you're an avid dog lover, um, you might want to skip skip this this portion oh boy. of the episode. I mean, it's really not that bad. But like, if if you're offended by someone who you know is anti dog. Might be anti-dog. Uh, we might have to bring the guy on at some point. I don't think you're anti-dog. I think you're anti-dog owner. Well, this this ain't about me. And yes, yeah, the the issue is with the crazy dog owners, not not the dogs themselves. I mean, Christ, come on now. Uh, but anyway, beach rule. You see the sign when you walk on the beach, you know, don't be on the beach after dark. What's the other one? No dogs on the beach. So one night last week, nice evening, um, my sister-in-law was was kind enough to playing family pictures for me Ooh. for me when do these get developed i gotta see these yeah we, we got a few previews they look nice um were you all wearing matching shirts and shorts and stuff no nah, no matching shirts and shorts just like dressed up a little bit uh you know as, as much as uh you could dress me up but um, <laughs> yeah they did say no dogs on the beach <laughs> <laughs> well i was i was up there she stood in the dunes i was up there nobody was complaining but yeah so no, no dogs on the beach we're up there for family pictures my parents my brother, my, my girlfriend, so on and so forth, niece and nephew, the little kids, right? So we're on the beach, and we got the photographer, and, you know, we're at a portion where it's my brother and his wife and the kids, and it's me and my parents standing off to the side, and, and lo and behold, some guy and his and his son, what appeared to be his son, they're walking the dog on the beach. And my old man, I, I always look at my old man, he's... uh. He's anti dog owner. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna call him that. He's anti dog owner. But he's he's staring this guy down, and I'm like, oh no, like the, You know, my my dad's old. He's he's not old. He's uh, he's retired. So That'll so so the fucks given are, are much less than they used to be. I think. Uh, you know, grew up a city guy, not afraid to to say something when he sees something, and uh, so he's staring down this guy walking the dog. Another grown man, adult, father of the kid. And, uh, so I see my dad staring this guy down and then I, I noticed the guy staring my dad right back. And I'm like this, I'm just thinking to myself, like, this isn't going to end well. Like, I, I don't know what's about to happen, but like, you would think like somebody walking their dog would just be like pie in the sky, like not staring down my dad, but this guy's staring down my dad. How far away is this guy? He was probably like 25 yards away when we spotted him. Cause I spotted him. And I spotted him, and I'm like, oh, my God, my dad's going to And he's pop. walking towards you. Yeah. And where are you on the beach? Are you near the water? Or are you no, near the dunes? We're like halfway, in the middle? We're like halfway between the dunes and the water, and this guy's walking closer to the dunes. Okay. And I see this guy, and I'm like, dude, like, 
I had to look at my dad. I was like, if my dad sees this, he's going to pop. So, And this is what time? Probably like 7 o'clock, 7.30 okay. in the evening. So um, so the stare down ensues between my dad and this guy. And they're like locked on each other. So finally the guy like gets, you know, parallel, if you want to call it that, to, to my dad and I and my family. And uh, my dad hits him with the, no dogs on the beach, buddy. And the guy just like... I was just like taken back because I wasn't ready for him to say anything. Like I, I, I knew the situation, but like you don't expect anything to be said. That's a newly retired guy. Yeah. So he's like, yo, buddy, no dogs on the beach. Hey, pal. And the guy, the guy just like looks at my dad and he like kind of mumbled something. And then the son like made like a little like face at my dad or whatever. And uh, then you jumped him. No, we didn't jump him. We let, that 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 was really it. That but was it. but we we watched we watched the guy. And the son and the dog keep walking, and the very no- next block, you just see them rip a left, walk up the ramp, and walk off the Turn beach. Off. They wow! Just, they just got right off. So, I I hope that that doesn't offend the dog people out there. I mean, my my dad will say it, and I'll say it. I, I didn't have dogs growing up, so maybe I'm not a dog guy. But like, I like everybody else's dog. I just you know, I, I don't think that I'm built to care for a dog myself. I think you're a little fearful of dogs. Well, that's another story. I was bit by a dog when I was young, like running from a dog and hit me in the ankle. So like, it took me a really long time. Like I was in like middle school and high school, like going over friends' houses and I would be like petrified of the dog and like everybody would laugh at me. <laughs> so like it took me, like it took me a while to get over that, but I love, I, I love everybody else's dog now, but it's like, I mean, I, I get it. Like that, that's, that is the rule. So like I, I'm kind of with my old man and he, 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 he also said later, he's like, I don't want my niece or nephew rolling around in dog shit on this beach. <laughs> Which, like, he's got a fair point. Like, yeah. so, and when we walked onto the beach, there was a, a couple and a dog coming off, and the dog was, like, soaked. So, obviously, they let him swim in the ocean. So, like, after hours, you want to take your dog up to take a swim and take him off? Like, I think that's okay. And, like, my dad had nothing to say to that guy. But, like, the stare down, the tension, like, it just built. And this guy's just moseying along the beach, and, like, you know, the the, the kids are up there. And uh, yeah, he he went at him, and the guy the guy got right off the beach. So I I I, th- I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, I I always get a kick out of the old man. Um, but yeah, that's I'm, fantastic. Yeah, hopefully hopefully we didn't uh, hurt any feelings out there or anything, but just just some good good lighthearted comedy at least uh, on my end. But I mean, anything else of note that's that's gone on during the hiatus, bomb? Nah, man, I think we covered it all. We covered it all, so we got to cover. Some of our teams now, you know, like what? What are we here for? We're here for a little bit of everything. Uh, the Philadelphia Phillies, you know, we've been talking a little bit about them here and there, uh, leading up to the end of June. Not really sold, not really convinced. Well, trade deadline uh, Tuesday, six o'clock. Phillies uh, made some moves. They bring in outfielder Brandon Marsh. They bring back reliever David Robertson from the Cubs. He's a bum. Second time around. And then they bring in Thor, uh, Noah Syndergaard from the Angels, former Met. And also a lot of people are really happy that they DFA'd, designated for assignment, Odubel Herrera, your boy, Ace. I'm gonna, i got to start calling you Ace now. This, is, yeah. this has got to yeah. stick. Appreciate that. Uh, Odubel. And then uh, what's his name? Yuri's Familia. Is that it? Yuri's? That's it. You're in Familia. <laughs> just pisses down his leg every time he gets the ball. Yeah, so beefing up the bullpen, beefing up the rotation, beefing up the outfield. I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say I know if are these guys great ads, not great ads. Like, 
but it's obvious that they're they're trying to keep the push going. Uh, I mean, they gave up Mickey Moniak in the Thor deal. I don't know if they gave up anyone else of note. They gave up Logan O'Hop, one of the catchers. He was one of their better prospects. You know, when you spend all that money on the BCIB, Real Muto, the BCIB as they call as the processors call them, um, <laughs> and the Wentz worshippers call them. You know, you got to trade O'Hop. I don't know, man. I mean, you, you spent the money a catcher with with Real Muto, so you got to roll with him and just assume that O'Hop would have been blocked. So, yeah, I mean. Any thoughts on the ads? I mean. Well, I think the first, even just on the Philly side, they didn't they didn't give up, you know, their, their top guys, like Mick Abel, this kid Painter, still in the organization. So I'm fine with it. It's clear Dombrowski has, has done this a time or two. Um, in terms of the ads, I think Cindergaard's a difference maker. Um. In terms of the center fielder, I mean, anyone's better than anyone's better than than Odubel, right? I do wonder, you know, what this means. Um, what what this means for uh, what's his name? Who's who's the guy that was playing center? Veerling. Yeah, what this means for Veerling, I can't even remember his name because they they stick him all over the field. They had him I turned on a game one night. He's playing fucking third base. I don't know what's going on, but yeah, he's all over the place. I kind of like I kind of like Veerling. Um, I kind of like the spark that he brings. He can run. He can run a little bit on the base paths. Um, but we'll see what Marsh can do. You know, every time the Angels were on TV, I was kind of watching them. Not every time, but when they're on, I watch them. Trout Otani. This kid Marsh. I mean. There was nothing. There were there was there was nothing that Jason Worth light. Not even that. I mean, that's, that's of, disrespectful to J Dub. Yeah, I've heard a lot of Worth Worth uh, comps. You know, so who says that? Just just people that see the beard. You know, I mean, pe- pe- people that shit. don't know baseball. And I'm not sitting here saying that I know everything about baseball. But like, I, I, what's the guy? Two twenty five hitter this year. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he looks like you. It looks like if somebody threw him inside, they would rip the bat out of his hand. Basically, is what I'm trying to say. Um is he an upgrade over Adubel? Yes. Adubel Herrera in this series against the Pirates. I don't know if you saw the game. They're down 2 nothing, eighth inning. Uh, guy on first and second. Schwarber's up two outs. Adubel on first. Adubel's on first. Hits a ball off the off the right field wall. He's like putzing around second base. He, 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 he doesn't see the third base coach. He throws the brakes on. Now, luckily, Hoskins um, got a hit in the next, next AB to tie the game with two outs in the eighth, but... The guy wasn't running. Comes in, comes into the dugout, gets ripped by Topper. Yeah, ripped. you gotta love to see that. I loved, I loved Which that. Which Girardi would have never done. No. So I do think there's now a bit of a, a bit more of a from front office to the coaching staff in alignment. Uh, no doubt that Dombrowski saw Thompson rip Odubel and said, you know what, let's just go. Go out and get anybody. Anybody that's serviceable will take him over this guy because he, he's a poison to the team. Uh, as far as Yuri's Familia, uh, again, more addition by subtraction. You recall the story I told earlier in the year, guy calling up WIP, I think it was Mikey Miss, with that with that Philly accent. Yo, Mike, listen, I've been watching a lot of Mets games over the years. Let me tell you something. I don't know why they picked up this Yuri Familia. <laughs> Okay, you know, when when I see him in Philly's pinstripes, I mean, I don't know what I'm going to do because they let Hector Nearest go for this guy, okay? And from what I've seen from Familia, at least in his time up in New York, I mean, Hector Nearest makes Yuri's Familia look like Mariano Rivera. 
And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, this, this can't be real. I mean, between the call, the comp, I'm like, this is fucking hilarious. Sure enough, that guy was right. So uh, congrats to that caller. Yeah, that's a great call. Uh, congrats to that guy. He was vindicated. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think they're ready to make a push. Um, but really the biggest piece they're going to be adding to the team is Harper. Two to three weeks, line. right? Two to three weeks from now, they're I'd saying. I'd say don't rush it. I mean, as long as they're able to tread water, like let's make sure this guy's 100% before he's ready to go. I don't, you know, they got the screws out of his hand. I don't want to see uh, a rush back. Um, frankly, I also, like as crazy as it sounds, I don't want to see a lengthy rehab assignment down in fucking Lehigh Valley either because if somebody buzzes his top again and he gets fucking hit on the hand, I'm going to lose my shit. Like, live bullets only from this point forward. I think let this guy take BP, let let him hit in the tunnel. I'm not even sending him for a fucking rehab assignment. When you're ready to go, you're playing in Philadelphia. Yeah, when he's healthy, I mean, it's it's cl- what is there, 50 games left roughly? Like, yep. it, it's go time. They, they made these moves. They're trying to make a push. I think it's encouraging, you know, the signs from Dombrowski and, and uh, what's his name, Thompson, you know? Yep. Like, it, it feels like good vibes, so – I think you make a great point. Let's not let's not put the guy at risk. He knows how to hit. He knows how to see pitching and shit. Like just get him right and then and then get him in because it, it, it's go time. Uh, so I mean that that's ultimately the question to ask now. I mean we've talked about it kind of lightly uh, throughout the spring and early summer, but like you in or out for the Phils? I'm in only because of the new format. I don't. I mean, I think if you think about the legacy format, where it was one wild card team, I, I wouldn't be in. Obviously, uh, yeah, they're neck and neck with the Cardinals for that third spot, and then the I think it drops off after the, the Phillies and the Cards to San Francisco, and I want to say there may be like four to five back of of the Phillies and the Cards. So it's really just kind of like kind of like a, a two horse race for that last spot right now. That can obviously change. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in. Uh, I found myself watching some of the games down the shore in the evenings, and it, it's been enjoyable. Uh, you know, some some timely hitting, bullpen has been solid. Uh, just you know, little efforts here and there, and it, it's enjoyable. You just, it just, I don't know, dude. It's always this time of year, the, the, these last few years, when you kind of think they got something, and and then they they fizzle out, but. Yeah, but the, they're doing it without Harper. And yeah, you, you and, get you get him back, and, and you talk about the vibes with 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 Thompson ripping O'Double. Like I was going to say, the manager's totally different. You think about the last two guys we had: two beta cucks, Kapler, a loser, lathering himself <laughs> up, drinking cafe lattes before games, and Girardi, who's a total loser. I would encourage everyone who uh, is a baseball fan, please watch the captain on ESPN. You'll see how much of a loser Joe Girardi was. Uh, getting ragdolled and bench clearing fights. The guy got ragdolled as a manager. He's a bum. He's a loser. I'm glad he's gone. Yeah, you gotta you gotta like the vibes of, of Thompson. I mean, really, seeing him rip a double was. That's when I was like, all right, I, I'm, I think I'm in. On that note, I I want to I want to drop. What drop do we need now? I want I want to drop the bone. Oh. Okay, this is a this is a this is a different bone. This is a new bone. Do we need to preface it at all? Or, you know, I got the sirens going. It's incoming. A doable. Bombs bone to pick of the week. The missile has landed. All right. 
I mean, I don't know how else to say this. So I had a different bone teed up. I decided to go in the moment with a new bone because it, it struck me in the moment. So that, that, that play that we talked about with O'Double, um, you know, putzing around second and putzing around second and, and, and throwing the anchor down a third when, when there's, there's two outs in the eighth and you need to score to tie the game. I don't know that I've ever despised Tom McCarthy and uh, Ruben Amaro more than in that moment. I have never, I've never seen a pair of broadcasters watch a play and say like the exact opposite of what occurred. They were like, "Oh, he was running, and then he he really didn't put the brakes on until here, and he wouldn't have scored anyway." And it was like. The most apologist, apologetic, whatever you want to call it, version of announcing. It's like it's like they've been told from the top, never criticize the players. You got Amaro, who basically said, what, "Do you remember the quote that he had after they scored?" No. It was like, uh, 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 "So, so Hoskins gets the hit right to tie the game." Ruben Amaro. The guy who traded Cliff Lee for some fucking bum ass sinker baller. Uh, who pitched in the World Baseball Classic for fucking Canada is telling me no harm, no foul. No harm, no foul. That's what he said. He said, no harm, no foul. Get the, the ball game's tied. Now, mind you, if Herrera is running from first base the entire way and he scores, there's going to be a play at the plate. That throw is going to come home, and Schwarber's going to be on second base. The next guy up hits a single. It would be 3-2, not 2-2. Take the lead. So don't talk to me about no fucking harm, no foul. You got McCarthy, who's a total bozo, out, out there eating those Pittsburgh, uh, you know, sandwiches with the fries on them. Permani bros. Permani bros. You know, McCarthy's over there just gorging himself. <laughs> he just, he doesn't stop. And, and, and then he's gorging himself on how great Oduble is. Oh, he's really been playing better. Oh, well, yeah, even if he was running, he wouldn't have scored. I don't even think they would have sent him. I mean, don't, don't, don't lie to a city. That that knows baseball. Don't don't lie to a fan base that watched guys like Chase Utley, that watched guys like Jimmy Rollins. Rollins used to get pulled for not running. You remember that? Manual used to put him, oh, yeah. pull him, bench him the whole thing. Utley always ran. There were plays, there were plays where a ball is in the a ball never leaves the infield, and Chase Utley's scoring from second fucking base. And you mean to tell me a ball off the wall in right field a double can't it can't score? He throws the brakes on. So it was disgusting to hear. And back to Ruben Amaro. I mean, he has that line, no harm, no foul. And, and I hate that line. I really hate that line. Let me tell you why. That guy, the Phillies go to the World Series in 2009. The only guy who did anything against the Yankees on the mound was Cliff Lee. And in December of that year, what does he do? He engineers the Rui Halliday trade. Oh, we got Rui. We're, gonna give it, we're only giving up Dre back. We're bringing in Rui. And everyone's like, oh, great. We got Cole Hamels. We got Roy Halliday. We got, we got Cliff. Oh, wait, 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 what? Wait, 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 we're trading Cliff Lee to the, oh, wait, 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 hang on. He's not going to the Blue Jays. Where the fuck is he going? <laughs> you're looking around, you're texting your buddy. What the fuck? Hang on. Is this a three-team deal? Wait, what? Like, this is not a three-team <laughs> deal. So we will hang on a second here. We're trading for Halliday, okay? Uh, oh, oh, great. Great player. But the guy who literally just beat the Yankees, we're shipping him out of fucking town. And we're getting who? A fucking sinker baller from Canada who speaks French? What are we talking about here? So my point being, you know, a, a year later, 
Cliff Lee's pitching in the World Series for the Rangers. If Nelson Cruz can catch a ball on the warning track, they win that World Series. Okay, so the guy's a superstar there. Uh, but that, but then we 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 sign a big deal and all that money, all that money that they could have saved by negotiating uh, with Cliff Lee and signing him then and keeping him and not trying to. Uh, what, what do they say? Restock the restock, restock the, the cupboard. The cupboard. The cupboard. <laughs> We're still waiting on that fucking cupboard. <laughs> I mean, holy hell! It's like a food pantry in Philadelphia. We're just like canned foods. That cupboard's got ramen noodles yeah, and ramen baked noodles, beans. Fucking baked beans, some rice. You know, you don't know how to cook. Too much water. Too too little water. So this guy's saying no harm, no foul. This was the guy that engineered that trade. Where now we're trading all of our all of our prospects to Houston to get Rui uh, Oswalt, and then and then and then and then the, th- the thing that killed the Phillies they they had no they they said Jason I'm sorry we you have, we have no cash we can't pay you Jason Worth go go to Washington see you later all the idiot moron mouth breathing fans they boo the guy boo boo he didn't want to be here Washington gave oh he want he just he just wants the cash they stink he doesn't want to be a winner well guess what they had the cash they gave it to fucking Cliff Lee and now that guy wants to sit there and say no harm no foul. Oh, well, we have our four aces now. No, buddy, you fucked us. And you fuck us every Sunday when you're on the broadcast. So you stink. You're done. I'm done with you. That's my bone to pick of the week. Great bone to pick of the week. Really well delivered. Uh, yeah, I mean, Ruben tomorrow, just just last night, Tuesday night, I'm, I'm watching the game 10 to 1. You know, not not a lot of things to talk about on the broadcast. And the, him and T-Mac are getting into Pete Rose and Ichiro and the, the types of bats they use. And, you know, you speak speaking of fucking, I mean, the guy's like uh, – you know that 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 Mizuno wood. That's that's the hardest wood I've ever touched in my life. So I was I was just like, holy, holy shit, what that? You do a pretty good, Ruben. Like, did that guy just hear what he just said on on, on TV? Like, Jesus Christ! But well, McCarthy was too busy eating a fucking funnel cake to even look up from the microphone. He had no clue what was going on. Oh, that's right, Ruben. That's right. You know, my son pitched for uh, 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 the the College of New Jersey back in 2010. He's now a broadcaster for the Trenton Thunder. Buddy, who gives a fuck? The, this is a month, a month of pent up bomb. I, I'm eating it up. I know people. Well, and then you know, pour one out for Vince Scully. Vince Scully, one of the best to do it. You know, he dies, and then I flip on the Phillies. It's like you know, Tubby's talking about uh, funnel cake. Ruben Amaro's talking about Mizuno Wood. I said, like, "What is going on?" It's a circus, man. It's an absolute circus. But in the middle of a, in the middle of a playoff race, they got they got absolutely wiped on Tuesday night. I think it ended up being what thirteen to one. And then yeah, they got, uh, they got, we're recording here Wednesday evening, uh, this afternoon. They they won three to one on a Nick Castellanos two run bomb to deep center field in the eighth. Uh, brings the Phillies to fifty six and forty eight. I think they're half game up as we speak, as we record on the Cardinals for that last spot. And I'm just curious, not not to go down this rabbit hole or get into this, but I, I just want to know if Jim Salisbury saw. Castellanos hit that game winning home run. Did he? Did he hear it? I just want to know if he saw it. Did Did you see it, Jim? Did you see it? Unbelievable! Uh, it's unbelievable. Uh, let, let's let's turn the page uh, quickly. Eagles training camp is underway. Uh, no, we're not. We're not going to talk about training camp stats. Um, did Did Rager make another one handed catch in the corner of the end zone? Yeah, we're we're not getting into that. Remember those puff pieces last year? Oh, they, they're they're flying all over Twitter right now. I think. I mean, we're not going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about it. I, I saw one today that Rager leads the team in touchdown receptions in training <laughs> camp. So, like, that I, – I wrote it on the Twitter account. That's all you need to know about training camp stats. That, that's it. All uh, I can say is thank God that we've moved into a di- digital world 
Could you imagine if they were still printing papers and somebody wasted a tree and the fucking ink to deliver that story? Holy fuck. Yeah, that's that's interesting point and, and would be totally pathetic if you read that in uh, in fine print. But one thing I wanted to, to get to I thought was interesting, and I think it kind of jives with kind of maybe our show and kind of our view of like you know, the, uh, the so-called experts and, and the sports songs, you know, I've, I've been called by people on social media, casual. Oh, he's just a casual. He, he's a cat. What the fuck is a casual? Is a casual somebody that sits on their ass from September to February and watches football for like 12 hours a day. So yeah, call me a casual, whatever. Um, I forgot more about football than these losers on Twitter I've ever known. Oh my gosh. But, uh, Jason Kelsey had an interesting quote and, uh, just paraphrasing, I don't have the clip, uh, unfortunately, but he, he commented to the media after one of the first practices uh, saying something along the lines of that, like every time, you know, the media thinks that the Eagles are going to be good, they end up being shitty. And every time the media thinks the Eagles are going to be shitty, they end up being good. He went on to say that, you know, they just need to focus and work on getting better each day. It was a good message. And he said he told that to the team. Uh, I, I just thought it was really interesting. Like, we came on here last year, preseason. You had the Eagles pegged as, like, 11-12-win team. Ultimately, they won, what, nine? Mm-hmm. I had them around eight, I think. Like, so we, we were kind of in the ballpark. You know, you, ha- you had a few extra wins, but you had them as a playoff team. That's exactly what they were. I think a lot of people last year were like – you know, this is a this is a, a retooling year or like a stabilizing year. Whatever. I heard four and five. Yeah. So four wins, five wins, whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, it, it, it. I just think it's so interesting, like that a player in the locker room is like recognizing that, basically just telling the people right to their face without saying it. Like, you guys have no fucking clue what's going on. Yeah, and you got to be a certain type of, I mean, I don't want to rip anybody, but you got to be a certain type of guy to go into that profession, right? Like kind of like that analytical, like these days, right? Like analytical nerdy type of looking dude. Like, look, I mean, I played sports growing up. You played sports growing up. Like you're either a player or you're not. You're either a winning team or you're not. And, you know, I don't need to be on the sidelines. I don't need to be looking at Jalen Rager in one-on-ones to know that he's a bum. Uh, I told you that last year. He's a bum. Um, and, and, and same with kind of the preseason predictions. I don't, I don't need to, to go up to Foxborough and watch the New England Patriots to know that they're going to be a playoff team this year. Okay. It's because it's in their makeup. It's in their DNA. That's who they are. So, I mean, spare me the, the puff pieces of this or Jalen hurts doesn't look good in that. And he threw three picks in this, that, and the other. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a waste of time. It's a waste of effort. If you're a fan I wouldn't even read anything. I wouldn't read anything. I wouldn't watch anything until week one. You I would mean, li- you would listen to thoughts from the shade though. Yeah, listen here. We'll give you what it. Well, I don't even really. I don't. I mean, I don't really watch much of the preseason. It's all garbage. It's all garbage. Yeah, I mean, these guys aren't even tackling the preseason. Like, I feel like Sir- yeah. Sirianni last year played the starters in preseason less than I've ever seen before. Exactly. Uh, and yeah, the people talk about Jalen Hurts. Oh, he's struggling. He, he doesn't look good. Like, could he have gotten like? exponentially worse like in in the off season you know in the spring they were talking about how great he looked and how fit he looked and now now you know they have one practice and oh he might have regressed like what the fuck are we talking about here like why don't you just wait till week one they're playing detroit uh speaking of that actually and maybe i'll bring it up later but i was i was talking to somebody at that phillies game and we were talking about week one detroit i was like 
I was like, the Eagles need to treat that game like Alabama playing Chattanooga week one. Like, vanilla, <laughs> don't open the playbook. Like, keep it vanilla. What they did in Atlanta. Don't, don't put it. Yeah, exactly. Don't put anything on tape. Just treat it as, like, your cupcake. Uh, I'll say that now, and the Eagles will lose the fucking game. I was going to say, I get, I get, <laughs> uh, they should win the game. I'm not going to give them an excuse if they don't win the game. But, again, these fans who sit there, and the, what, what Eagles fans do is they look at the records of the team from last year and they're like, oh, my God, week one's a cupcake. We should win this game, blah, blah, blah. But, like, you don't, you don't really remember. Those, that, that Lions team was a losing team, and they fought for their head coach. They've been hitting in practice. They're wearing pads. I mean, is it crazy to think that they might be hitting their stride by week one, whereas, like, the Eagles, a team maybe that isn't really hitting in training camp, isn't showing a ton of stuff in the preseason, like might not be hitting the stride until week four, and maybe it's a it's a dogfight, or maybe it's like... So I just, again, these prognosticators, these fans, the Twitter mob, it's all the noise. writers, it's all bullshit. Yeah, that's just kind of the point I wanted to make, and, and Kelsey pointed it out. It's... It's all noise, and maybe maybe I'm preaching to the choir, and people know that, but I just I just think it's a joke that we're we're tracking stats and every move at practice. Like, let me see what the product looks like week one, and I'll I'll, I'll let you know how I feel. I mean, obviously, looking at the roster and the moves and the guys we got, uh, you know, knock on wood, no injuries and everything. Like, you gotta love the roster. Uh, but then that the one thing that's not being talked about, I feel like in, in this camp early on is is Sirianni. Like, it's only year yep. two. You think about. The first half of that game against the Bucks, the game plan was atrocious. No targets for Devontae Smith. Uh, but this guy shows up in his Jalen Hurts T-shirt on, on day one of camp, and, uh, you know, it's 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 all good and well. Like, this guy's only in his second year being an NFL head coach. You know, he's got a whole season on tape for the other coaches to study. I, I kind of think that's an underlooked or under underappreciated, like, facet of – this preseason and this going into this season is, is this guy in year two. Like, I don't think you can just do the same thing and expect better results. Like he, he's, he's got a, he's got a zig when people zag and on all that good stuff. Like, I, I just don't think it's being talked about. And I, I still like, I understand like the, the flower thing from last year, that analogy, like, I think they rallied around it as silly as it was, but like the the guy's just like he's just a weird dude. And if this season goes south, like I can just hear us in like October and November just ripping his ass. Yeah, well, I, I agree with you. Um, the thing that's concerning for me is we still don't know really who Nick Sirianni is, because, and I'll give him credit. Last year, early on in the season, they had. They had difficulty throwing the football. They moved to a run-first team, which is the right move. We're there to win games. We're not there to, you know, to 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 be crowned the next Bill Walsh. But at the same time, what they did last year, that's, that's not his offense. That wasn't his style. That's not what he built his team to be. And frankly, that's not how he got the job. He didn't interview with Jeffrey Lurie and say, we're going to slam these, you know, read option plays all, all game. We're going to slam the running back. Like, Jeffrey Lurie would not have hired him. Took him half a year to figure that out. Correct. Um, so my concern is we've seen Sirianni. He's had a modicum of success here with the run game. But after an offseason where everyone is telling you Hurts has to take a leap forward, Howie's in your ear saying we got to know what this guy is. Lori's in your ear saying what happened in Tampa Bay was unacceptable. We have to be able to throw the ball and we have to be able to strike through the air. 
what does that pressure of an offseason do to a new coach? Um, we don't know yet. I don't know how this guy's going to respond. It's all a moot point if Hertz takes a step forward. It's all a moot point if Hertz takes a step forward. But if Hertz is about what he was last year, what's Sirianni going to do? Is he going to run the ball? Is he going to is he going to prioritize winning the game, or is he going to say, "Hey, guess what? From from up top, how he told me, I got to know what Hertz is. He's got to throw the ball twenty five to thirty five times a game because we have two first round picks next year, and we got to know what direction we're going in. And we've surrounded him with. An outstanding offensive line and AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, yep. Goddard. You got all the weapons. So yeah, it's like I just feel like we're talking like people are are firing out training camp stats and nobody's talking about the, the fucking meat here as, as we get to grind time and show time. But uh I wanna give a Yeah, go ahead. I wanna I wanna give and I haven't even looked at it yet, so forgive me here. But I saw a video down in Jacksonville. Of our boy, Coach Doug Peterson. The man. Talking to a group of youth football players uh, who came to watch training camp or practice that day. And Doug is wearing the black Jacksonville Jaguars windbreaker. You know, the one that he wore in Philly. Same kind of style. He's got the, you know, the the beautiful big boy visor on. You just see that, that, that silver hair. He's got the black shorts on. He's got those monster, like, athletic calves. And he's got the Nike trainers. And you just see his back. And the camera's on Doug. And you just hear him talking to the kids. Talking about how they got to do their homework. How you got to set your goals high. Because if you if you set them too low and you achieve it, you know, that's not really a goal. And I'm listening to this guy talk to these kids for, like, 60 seconds. And I'm thinking to myself... I got to do the over. I mean, let's. I don't know what. I don't know what the total is. First future of the year for bomb. Here it comes, folks. I don't know what the total is. Let me see if I can get you a total. Um, but I'm looking at Doug, and I'm I, I, same same as you looking at Doug, and I'm thinking to myself, man, I'm ready to run through a wall listening to this guy talk about, you know, doing your homework. You know what I mean? And you know, Sirianni's like a rah rah guy and all that, but. I don't know. I mean, I'd feel a lot better about this Philadelphia Eagles team if our head coach was Coach Doug Peterson. I don't disagree, man. He's like, he's a guy's guy. Sirianni just, I don't know. He, I feel like it's a little bit of an act. So, you, you want you want the total? Uh, was it six and a half? Six and a half plus one ten, under six and a half. I should say over six and a half plus one ten, under six and a half minus one thirty four. So people. Are they thinking they're going to be a five-win team? You know, I, I haven't team? seen the schedule, but they they, they they were a bottom feeder. They got to have a last place schedule, right? Last place schedule. I'd put I'd put a hundred bucks on them and do it before do it before the uh, the preseason game one because what you're going to see is a revamp, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, you're going to see a healthy ETN. They're too deep uh, at the skill position, all over the place. So I think, I mean, this is an eight-win football team, in my opinion. Wow. You heard it here first, folks. I think I think I saw Lawrence and ETN are not playing in that Hall of Fame game. I think oh, good. I, I think the Jags oh, playing an extra preseason game. I think the Jags are the Hall of Fame game. I'd have to I'd have to check. I think they're the first preseason game. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. hammer it in there. Get it. Deposit the funds. Get 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 it ready. I'm just telling you. This first is, future, man. This is this is getting me fired up. Yep. I gotta by Thanksgiving. I gotta you might load be up the account. It. Yeah, seriously, six and a half, seventeen games. Could get there. 
Um, I did want to touch on one other, you know, we talked about Hertz and the pressure with the weapons. I want to talk about one of the so-called weapons. I wouldn't call this guy a weapon. I don't think you'd call this guy a weapon, but it's just another summer, another training camp where Miles Sanders is getting the press. You know, they're talking about how he looks explosive and he's talking about how he's out to prove it this year. It's a contract year. Uh, Apparently he got a rep with the second team early in camp and the media was reporting on that, and then Miles came out the next day and was like, don't be writing that shit. I mean, he didn't say that. I'm, again, paraphrasing or whatever you want to call it for lack of a better word, but he was uh, he was upset by that. Uh, I mean, I look at a guy that can't catch the ball out of the backfield. I look at a guy that always looks to bounce it outside, doesn't doesn't want to hit a hole, even though it's like Moses part in the Red Sea with, with the Eagles' <laughs> offensive line. Uh, I look at a guy that, that – needs to shut his mouth and, and just play. Go, Just go do it. Just go do it, and everybody will love you. You're only setting yourself up, especially in this city, you're setting yourself up for a debacle, talking that shit, uh, when you re- really haven't done much to back it up. And you, you'll get you'll get the blowhard to say, oh, he averaged six yards a carry last year. Well, so did everybody else. So did Boston Scott. So did Jordan Howard. Uh, I mean, may, maybe Miles did lead them in, in yards per carry, but the run game was was great when Sanders wasn't in. So, again, everybody's obsessed with the numbers. I I just watch the guy play, and I see missed opportunities. I understand he's a great athlete. He was a, obviously a high recruit, highly regarded player out of high school, went to Penn State. I watched him there. Uh, but just stop talking about it. Don't talk about it. Be about it. Yeah, he's got too many opinions. If you recall back in December uh, – I was at I was at the the game. Actually, it was that Tuesday night game. I was there with you, dude. Oh, you were. <laughs> Remember, uh, our our boy was getting was getting booed uh, anytime they announced his name to go back and punt. Rager, yeah. And uh, yeah, he just got incessantly booed. And then after the game at two a.m., you, you got your boy, your boy, not my boy, your boy, Booby Miles XXIV. Stop booing the players. We put our heart and soul into this. Well, what kind of heart and soul do you got then, brother? Oh, man. That's my question. He drops the ball. He he's got a he's got a case of fumbleitis. And the thing is it compounds. Coaches want to go back coaches stupidly go back to him and they're like, We believe in you, Miles. We'll give you we'll give you another handoff on the next drive. And then he fucking drops it again. I am Yeah, I didn't mention the fumbles. I'm Deep so happy too. this guy's basically is this his last year? Yeah, it's a contract year for him. Yeah, go go get your fucking cash somewhere else. Yeah, the Eagles don't pay Eagles don't pay running backs really yeah, anyway. Kenny, it's Kenny Gainwell time. Yeah, I, I've that that's that's a hot take that I've seen that I actually uh, I, I'm excited about. I'm not just uh, pointing it out as blasphemy like some some of the some of the shit that you see online throughout training camp. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll keep tabs on camp as it rolls along. But. Uh, we're not tracking the stats. Anything else on the birds at this point? No. Five weeks, six weeks, they'll kick off against Detroit. Looking forward to it. Uh, yeah, we got to work in some new segments here in uh, in year two of, of Thoughts from the Shade. And I think one of them, you know, they'll, be, uh, they'll, they'll pop up from time to time. I, th- I think one of them is going to be make it make sense. And we're, we're going we're gonna to test drive it here tonight uh make it make sense and the topic that i want 
us to try to make sense or anybody to try to make sense to me is this whole Deshaun Watson situation. <laughs> uh, the guy got the six game suspension. I don't know if it was, is it from the league? Is it from uh, the FBI or whoever did the investigation? I, I don't fucking know. I don't know anything that's going on in this case. Uh, he got suspended six games. I don't know if he's appealing, if the league's appealing. I don't know what's going on. Uh, it's all over ESPN. Nobody can give a clear-cut answer. You got one camp saying he's remorseful. You got Adam Schefter saying he's not remorseful. I don't know what's going on. And then I look at guys like Calvin Ridley, who got a whole whole season plus, uh, you know, for throwing a little parlay in while he's out injured. Uh, you got guys like Josh Gordon and others smoking a little pot and getting, you know, t- tens of games worth of suspension. Uh, and then and then you got Deshaun Watson. I, I don't – I'm not. I, I don't think I can comment. Like, what did he do? What did he not do? It was supposedly, you know, a sexual assault case. Uh, Thirty accusers. Again, I'm not a legal expert. I'm just going off the cuff here. But if the guy, to me, why is he getting six games? Like, if the guy is guilty, then he should be completely wiped out of the league. And if he's innocent, then then he shouldn't be getting anything. So like, what the fuck is this six game suspension? Like, are you do you do you understand like my line of thinking here? Am I totally off base or what? No, I mean, I just don't know what the hell's going on. So so uh, let me see if I can help make it make sense. As you know, there were I think twenty four lawsuits filed against Deshaun Watson. Um, I believe as of two days ago, only one case remains. Um, my understanding is that these cases have been settled civilly. So he's in essence either giving these women a bag or signing something and they have to, uh, you know, probably sign an NDA or a non-disclosure, not, you know, all that stuff. But the NFL thing is so interesting, right? So they have a discipline offer, uh, a discipline officer who I guess is a judge. This woman, Sue Robinson, she decided to suspend Watson for six games Apparently, she was hired by both the NFL and the NFLPA. So I, I don't, I don't quite understand why now we're. I mean, it used to be like Roger Goodell just like drops the hammer on people, but now we got judges coming on board. It's kind of feels like the free report. Not to get into that. Oh boy! But we got judges coming on board. Everybody's getting a bag. We got an independent arbiter, an independent investigator. Blah blah blah. But it turns out. Uh. NFL Commissioner Roger Cadell and the NFL are appealing the decision. So he got six games from this judge that was hired by the judge PA that was hired and by the, the NFL. PA and the NFL jointly. He got six games. And now the NFL is the NFL is now appealing. And who decides who hears the appeal? Roger Goodell. So Roger Goodell can select someone else or Roger Goodell can choose himself as the person who will adjudicate <laughs> the appeal. I am so confused. None of, to your point, none of it makes sense. I feel like this whole charade of justice in terms of suspension and coming to an agreement with an uh, independent judge is just to prevent the city of Cleveland from just burning to the ground. I mean... It seems like the Browns did no investigative work. They didn't do their homework at all. They signed him to a monster contract, apparently with like no outs related to more accusers coming through. 
So again, Roger Goodell works for the owners. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why there's an independent judge. I don't know why he's appealing after he named an independent judge. Uh, make it make sense. I don't know. Makes no sense. And yeah, you, you mentioned that, I guess, like the some of the lawsuits were settled. And I thought I had heard that, you know, weeks or, or months ago. Um, so, so if it's settled, why does he need to be suspended? But, but I, I guess there's no uh, information about, you know, what, what the settlements were. I'm not talking about the money. I'm just talking about well, what the fuck happened. What happened? Did this guy assault anybody, abuse anybody? If so, goodbye. If not, clean slate. But it either happened or it's, it either it's, happened or it didn't. And, right? and it's from what I'm gathering, it's uh, it's somewhere it's somewhere in between in terms of you know the 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 penalty, um, which would lead me to believe that some shit happened, along with the accusers and. Didn't Brady the, get the sheer numbers? Like, didn't Brady get four games for for the Deflate Gate Fugazi PSI bullshit, which was all debunked? Yeah, you got four games. Yeah, for that. And, and this guy's getting six. That's what I'm saying. So, like, I apologize if I misspoke uh, on any of this. Again, shooting from the hip, but the whole thing makes no sense, and that's why it is this week's and the debut of Make It Make Sense. Uh, anything else to get to this week? I don't think so, Jay. What do you got? Uh, I'm I'm not. I'll, I'm gonna save it. We're gonna save, save it. it. Save it for save another it. day. It's been a healthy episode. Uh, we've had a lot, you know, a lot of pent up energy. It's uh, like I said at the top. It, it's it's great to be back. So pumped for football. Uh, and so so pumped uh for the pod. I mean the pod. To infinity and beyond. We're keeping this shit going. Uh, appreciate everybody listening. I don't think we shouted out any of the sponsors at the top uh, or with the bone to pick of the week. So we'll just say a thank you to Shamrock Sun and Menard Premium Detailing. Uh, wherever you're listening, please subscribe. Leave us that five star review, five star rating, and uh, follow us on Instagram at Thoughts from the Shade, on Twitter at TFTS Pod. Uh, We are back. The boys are back. We're cooking. We're in the lab. We'll talk to everybody next week.